0: Father God, we just come to you. We come before you. And Lord, we are grieved and we are brokenhearted. Father, as we look at um, what is taking place on the actual land that we're talking about. And Father, we just say and we declare that you are a good God and a promise keeping God. And no matter the circumstances, Lord, um, we know that you are sovereignly ruling and reigning. And Lord, we're asking. We're asking for a swift end to this, Lord. We're asking for lives to be protected, Lord. We're asking for um, evil to be defeated. And Father, we pray all this in your name, Jesus. We we want to see um, this come to an end. And Lord, we know that um, in this world, there's just gonna be war and there's gonna be famine and there's gonna be tribulation. You have told us so, but Lord, you've also told us that you have overcome the world. And so we come to you right now as our overcomer as the defeater of evil, as the victor, Lord. And we ask that you just come. And Lord, as the Prince of Peace, we say, bring peace, Lord God. We pray for peace. We pray for peace physically, for for the region, for the land, for every person involved. And Lord, we, more than anything, pray for peace in hearts, Father. We know that's where the only way peace is even gonna come, Father, is if you are ruling in hearts. So Father, um, we just pray for that, and we ask, and we beg, and we plead. um, And Lord, we trust you, and we say that you are a good God, and so with that, we know we can have hope. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I mentioned we are in Genesis 12. It's a pivotal point. So we have already looked at 2,000 years in verses one through 11 of all that the Lord has done in creative, creating our whole world out of nothing. Um, we see the history of all creation in those first um, 11 verses. Like I said, that covers 2,000 years. And now we're honing in, we're focusing in on the history of the nation of Israel, the lives of the patriarchs, and most specifically, Abram's offspring. Um, you know, it's interesting. We talked about the Tower of Babel um, last week, and we we. Um, looked as it began in chapter 11 with a people uh, building a city for themselves. It was all about their name, all about their fame, all about their plans and what they were gonna do. But isn't it interesting that we have this contrast that chapter 12 begins by God telling what his plans are and what God's going to do. Um, And he's gonna do this for a man named Abram. And as we learn about Abram, we know that there was nothing in this man that was worthy of God choosing him. Yet God did, God chose him um, out of all the people um, to bring these promises about. Um, And besides Jesus, it's so interesting, besides Jesus, Abraham is probably the most important, most significant person in the Bible. Um, We have 14 chapters that we're gonna be talking about Abraham. Um, Romans has an entire chapter devoted to him. Galatians has two chapters. And the largest portion of Hebrews 11, which is that chapter about the hall of faith, is devoted to Abraham. So he is very significant. Um, And scholars say that this moment, this Genesis 12, that this is a key moment in understanding the rest of the Bible. And it's a key moment in understanding God's rescue plan for rebellious humanity from this offspring. Um, So as we look at um, chapter 12 and as we jump into these verses, uh, there are four things that I'm sure you saw. Um, We saw Abram's calling, God's calling of Abram. We saw God's promises. We saw Abram's faith. And we also saw Abram's failings. And so we're gonna talk about those things specifically today, and we're gonna end uh, talking about the implications that those have for us. So jumping right in to verse one, we're gonna see this threefold calling that God has on Abraham. It says, verse one, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Isn't it interesting that he starts really broad with the country? So what do we know about this country um, it's Ur, and you know it's so easy to look at biblical times and to just think not much of it. Like not much is happening. Um, but this was like the hub. Ur was the place to be. It was this uh, very fertile place. You've got the Persian Gulf. You've got the Tigris, the Euphrates. When the rain would come and swell, and it would flood the area, I mean, you have lush green crops and um, and luxuriant land. So this is where he's living. And um, we also know that these are the dominant people of that time, so again, this was kind of the place to be. Um, we know that, um, that Ur is the home to ancient Babylon, and it is also modern day Iraq, to put that in perspective. Um, Joshua 24.2, we looked at that, tells us a little bit more about what's going on in Ur, and that's idol worship. And we also know specifically that Abram's family served other gods. So that puts that into perspective a little bit about where he's coming from and where the Lord's calling him out of. So, okay, country. He's asking him to leave his country. Um, And then he gets a little bit closer. He wants him to leave his kindred. So that's his culture. Those are his people. And within that culture, there's acceptance. Um, There is understanding. There's prosperity. There is security probably security being the most hard thing to leave. And he's telling him to leave all this security and go to a a place he doesn't know where there are potential enemies. So again, um, he's he's honing in on just more and more of specifically of what Abram is leaving. And then he says, from your family, those are your closest. Those are your closest relatives. Those are people you're related to. Um, They are the ones that you love the most. And, you know, people at that time, we have to understand, we are in such a mobile society, but we have to understand at that time, people didn't leave, one, a land of flourishing. They also did not leave those they loved the most, their family. They didn't leave their culture. They traveled in clans. I mean, this was not heard of. Um, So they stuck together and it was very unusual for them to live far away. So um, he didn't know exactly where he was going. He's going 1,100 miles to Canaan. And you know we can think 1,100 miles. And I'm like, great, let's hop on a plane. Let's go there. Or, or oh, I can't see them for a while, but we can FaceTime. Uh, there are so many ways that we, are connected to people. So the miles don't don't make sense to us. But at this time he is walking away from a place where he will probably never ever see these people again or this place. So this is a significant calling. And doesn't it remind you um, of Luke 923 when the Lord says to his followers, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. So there is a leaving, there is a with with a calling is a denial with a calling is to leave all that's familiar. And this point in Abram's life is actually a decisive separation um, from Abram's past life. And, and isn't that the call on us? A separation from our past life. Um, the next thing that we see when we look at verse two, um, we begin to see God's promises to Abram. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonor you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We looked at that, and isn't it beautiful, the, word that we, the words that we saw repeated over and over and over? I will, I will, I will. This is all what God is going to do. And he makes these promises with this man who was chosen out of all the people um, to become a recipient of these blessings. And so we're gonna go specifically through um, each of these briefly. um, And just know that as we do this, we are continuing to study about Abram. There are gonna be more specifics that we're gonna learn about the people the land, the offspring. Um, But let's start with um, making you a great nation. He says, I'll make you a great nation. And this is an unconditional promise of what God's gonna do. And it seems very impossible. We also know that his wife is barren. Um, So there are certain things that we see that it doesn't depend on Abram's ability or inability, or the circumstances. Um, you know, we looked at Deuteronomy and how he describes this great nation um, as a nation set apart, chosen, a people for his treasured possession. Not because they were many, they were actually few, but because God chose to put his love on them. We also see great descriptors of our God promise keeping, deliverer, redeemer, faithful covenant keeping God we have to remember those things as he says he's going to make you a great nation. He says, I'm gonna bless you, not because he was deserving, but because God chooses to bless him. And we looked at the word bless. Um, And it means abundant divine favor, um, to praise, to kneel. It was a bestowing of a privilege, a right, responsibility, or favor um, on a people, um, on a portion of creation by God. Um, to be blessed, I read this, it sounds, it's, it's so good. To be blessed is to be one of God's own people with all the benefits that brings, which is the blessing of God is his relational presence in one's life. He says he's gonna make his name great. And you know, the greatness of Abraham's faith, we see throughout scripture, he's known for his faith. That's what marks him and what his name stands for. But there's so much more. Um, his name actually stands throughout history as a reminder of God's promises. So it's more about God, um, less about Abram, but yet he makes his name great to show his faithfulness, to show all that he has done. He says he's gonna make him a blessing to others. And we know throughout scripture that the greatest blessing of Abram is through his greatest descendant, Jesus. Um, So the blessing is the blessing of redemption to all from every nation who call on the name of Jesus. You know, we read in Galatians three and we read some passages in Galatians three, um, but in three thirteen and 14, this is what it says. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. What good news. He also goes on to say, I'm gonna bless those who bless you, I'm gonna curse those who dishonor you? You know God's people have never lacked for enemies. We see that happening, and we see that in our own lives. That that um, that God's people are attacked. Um, God's people are singled out. Um, God's people have enemies, and we know our greatest enemy, right? Um, who is Satan? But um, there's a pastor. Um, from the early 1900s and he wrote this quote and I find it very interesting. Um, Just to see how throughout history God takes this promise so seriously. Donald Barnhouse writes, um, when a man dies, a physician has to write on the death certificate the cause of death. When a nation dies, more often than not, the cause of death is that the nation has mistreated the Jews. He goes on to list Egypt, Canaan, the Hittites, the Greeks. He says, when Rome killed Paul and many others and destroyed Jerusalem, Rome soon fell. Spain, Poland received consequences and we know about Hitler's Germany and we are seeing this played out in front of our very eyes. We see this in anti-Semitism. Um, and, and no matter though what the enemy is, who the enemy is, we know the enemy, um, but all that's going on, we know that our God is greater. We know that he is the victor um, and he will bless those who bless him and curse those who dishonor him. Um, Verse, uh, we also see that he will bless all the families of the earth. And this is a spiritual blessing that extends from Abram to all the families of the earth. It's the gospel of salvation through faith in Christ for all nations, all people, Jew and Gentile. Again, back to Galatians. Galatians 3, seven through nine says, know then that that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abram. And scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. When I think of Father Abraham, I think about that song we sang as a child if you ever were in VBS or youth groups. And you know, we were just excited to get to the point where you're going crazy you know, with all your hand motions. Um, and no one ever explained to us what it meant that, and I am one of them and so are you. Like I didn't really know as a kid what that meant, but boy, the significance of knowing that he's our father because of Jesus. Um, is, is just kind of mind-blowing. And, you know, wish I would have learned that um, back when I was younger. Um, again, like I said, we, we saw so many cross-references in our homework, um, promises that are gonna be reiterated, promises that are gonna be expounded upon. And we're gonna see those as we continue um, to go through. But, but we're gonna journey on uh, to chapter, to verse four. Um, and, you know, at the bottom line, what we see Abram doing in this instance is um, walking out this faith. He is believing in God's character. There's nothing of himself that he can trust in, but he's believing in God. And so um, we see his faithfulness to go to Canaan. Um, Verse four says, so as Abram went, uh, as the Lord told him and Lot, put a pin in that, we're gonna talk about Lot later, uh, went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed for Haran, which is modern day Turkey. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and all the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. So this is Canaan. So this is um, this first step of Abram's faith, um, faith and obedience in action. He did not understand all that God would do. He didn't have all the details. He didn't have the reasons, um, but he believes these promises we know by faith. Ele- uh, Hebrews eleven eight tells us that by faith, Abram obeyed God, when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Um, But you know, immediately we see that he is faced with fear and uncertainty in a couple of ways because it says, when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, um, which is the West Bank in modern days to the Oak of Moray. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So one thing we have to learn about the Canaanites, the Canaanites were exceedingly wicked, um, exceedingly wicked, a violent people. And so here Abram is in this land of Canaan, and and that's a problem. But the other problem is God has promised me uh, this land, the promised land, uh, but somebody else possesses it. So he's in a quandary here. Um, And it has to be a very scary and fearful thing. And so I love how we see the kindness and goodness of the Lord, because in verse seven, it says, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So we see God's kindness that in this situation, he appears, he shows Abram that he's with him. He confirms his promise and he even gets more specific with his promise. So God's promising him that it's going to be his descendants who would possess the land and that God would accomplish this. So God is not just a promise-making God. He's a promise-keeping God. Um, and you know, we know this land is significant. This is where our Lord and Savior Jesus was born, where he suffered, where he died, where he rose, where he ascended, and where he will return. I mean, this is significant. Not only that, but you know, when I think about this land and how the enemy would love to destroy it, do you know that, that constantly they are finding artifacts? They are finding things that prove that the Bible is true. I mean, how much would the enemy love to just obliterate that land as well as its people? Um, So we see that. um, But one thing we know that he did when he arrived in this land, after the Lord appears to him, after the Lord shows him his presence with him, he builds an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there, he moved on to the country on the east of Bethel, which means the house of the Lord, it's 11 miles north of Jerusalem, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev." So he is in this land of promise, but he does not possess it. So he is living in the middle of strange people. He is a foreigner in this land. And and in this, we see a couple of great emblems, um, emblems of his faith. And the first is the altar. Um, You know, an altar was usually erected as an act of worship. Um, it was erected after someone had had an encounter with God. And we saw that in Noah, right? He was saved from the flood, he and his family. And we saw him um, erect an altar to God. And it's also kind of that that staking, like, like I am following God. I am worshiping him and I'm following him. And here's this, this physical, visual picture of, of, of me doing this. Um, he also says that... Um, the, you know, the, other, the other emblem is the emblem of um, the tent. Um, Hebrews 11 continues on in verse nine that says, by faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land living in tents, he journeys on. So Abe's a sojourner and isn't that our life, the life of a believer? We are told that we are not citizens here, right? This is not our home. We are aliens, we are foreigners. Um, that vision of living in tents, I mean, that's our life as believers. We don't need to get too comfortable um, with where we are here. And um, this kind of segues right into this next portion of scripture. Um, you know, we have seen Abram's faithfulness to come, we've seen him build this altar, we see that he's obeying the Lord. Um, but then what happens? Verse 9 Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. So here we have a picture of fear we have a picture of Abram's faithlessness. Um, we know that at this time, Egypt was the most powerful and most wealthy place on earth, um, that the Pharaoh was the most powerful king. Um, and, and Abram here, he changes directions. He completely changes directions because he forgot that if God could give him this land he promised him, that he would take care of his food situation, right? Um, and Egypt, what it does throughout scripture is Egypt really represents the world. E, uh, Egypt represents the power and the security of what we think that the world is going to give us. Um, and, and and that that actually the world sometimes promises, but cannot deliver. And so Egypt is that picture of just the seductive pull of the world. And when we walk apart from God and where he has us, um, this, is, this is what we see. Um, you know, it's a symbol of bondage. Um, it's a symbol of kind of the old life and slavery to sin. And um, it's interesting because that's what God had already called him out of in Ur. We saw him calling out of what was comfortable and what was safe and what was secure and what was flourishing and what looked great and the place to be. And here he is now going back to that. Um, When things got a little bit scary and complicated, this is where he turns. You know, Throughout biblical history, there are only a couple of times that the Lord says, go to Egypt to his people. Usually, it stay, it's far away from Egypt, don't go down to Egypt. Um, but we see him doing this. And then the second fail we see is huge, right? I mean, we saw what he did with his wife out of fear and out of self-preservation, right? So verse 11 says, when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. So we need to understand that at that time, there was this universal custom. There was this rule of the land that said, do not take another man's wife. However, you could take a widow, even if it came because you killed their husband. So, so the, the fear is real. I mean, there is a real fear, but we have to remember God has already promised these promises that are come, gonna come from his descendants. So how can that happen if he dies? So he's not believing God. He says to Sarah, I say, you are my sister that it may go well with me because of you and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Um, you know, several scholars say that, and that throughout history, when a woman was taken into Pharaoh's harem, there was this extended time of preparation. And so um, I think that helps us kind of wrap our mind maybe around this passage that, um, Possibly she is um, in this time of preparation. It says also that um, Pharaoh deals well with her, uh, for that, that for her sake, he deals well with Abram. Abram had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. So basically this is like that bride price. I mean, he's getting paid. Um, so he, he sells out his wife. It's horrific. But we see what God does. The Lord afflicted Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here's your wife, take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him and he sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So we see Abram's lack of trusting God. He is lying, he is putting his wife in horrific danger all for his sake, all to protect himself. Um, You know, God had already made these promises to Abram about his future, about his blessings, about his descendants. Um, So he would certainly not allow Abram to be killed. But Abram can only see what's in front of him. He can only see the circumstances around him. And so we see this lack of faith. But we also see the goodness of God. And we don't wanna miss that. God's goodness to protect Sarah. I mean, he says that he does these. He afflicts Pharaoh because of Sarai. And so we don't wanna miss God's love for her and his care for her. Um, and, and it's also a, a, a fulfillment of his promise that he's gonna, verse three, curse those who dishonor you. So we see that happening as he brings plagues to protect and free Sarai. And then how kind Pharaoh lets him go. I mean, we just see the Lord's kindness to this unfaithful one. We see the Lord's faithfulness to just let him go and take the things with him, Right. Um, you know, as I was thinking about this, uh, some things just kept coming to my mind as I thought about these different things, the, the call, the promises, uh, the faith and the faithlessness. Um, and, and all I kept thinking about was good news, good news, that all of this is good news for us. And so I just wanna share with you a few implications about why this is good news, why chapter 12 is good news for us. Um, God's call of Abram is good news. So there is nothing about Abram that warranted God choosing him. And the same is true for us. Um, He chose him not because he was lovely. He chooses us not because we are lovely. He chooses us out of love, out of his love. Um, And that's good news. Um, God is not waiting for us to get our act together. He was not waiting for Abram. Um, He was not uh, looking at Abram or us and seeing some great potential that he can work with. No, we know that just as he called this idol worshiper out of Ur, it's the same way that he calls us. Um, we're not seeking him and he calls us out. And Ephesians 2 reminds us of this, that while we were dead people walking, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love for us, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And we are reminded also um, in this calling that there is nothing worth comparing with following the Lord. So I don't know what the Lord is calling you all to. Maybe he is gonna call you um, from your country and from your kindred and from your family. Um, But I do know that we all have a specific calling on our lives. And that is a decisive, just like with Abram, it's a decisive uh, move away from sin. And it's a decisive break from our past life. We are told that in Christ, we are new creations. So I do know that our calling is to, um, to put aside that old, way of life. Um, We also see that God's promises to Abram are good news. So we see throughout scripture over and over that God fulfills his promises and that his unconditional promises are good news for us. Also that the promise of the blessing has come to us through God's son, Jesus. Galatians 3.29 says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offsprings, heirs according to promise. You know, I thought about that song that we sometimes sing promises And it begins by, I'm not gonna sing it. So just relax, it's a good thing that I'm not. Um, uh, But it starts out by talking about God of Abraham, God of covenant. Um, Time and time again, you have proven uh, that you do just what you say. And it goes on to say, and let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. And I love this phrase that we sing. It says, your history can prove there's nothing you can't do you're faithful and true. And we see that in the promises of God and how amazing that we can stake our life on that. Um, we also see Abram's faith is good news. We see an imperfect man who is commended for his faith, a man who obeyed by faith. Um, and the faith that Abraham had in God is the same faith that we have. Um, Ephesians 2.8, for grace you have been saved through faith. And this faith is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God not a result of work so that no one may boast. Our faith is a gracious gift of a gracious God. Um, James Boyce, theologian writes this, by trusting by faith in Jesus as our personal redeemer, we show ourselves to be true children of Abraham. And the last thing I want us to see is that Abram's failures are good news for us. We see him falter and we see him fail. We see this giant of our faith and yet we see details of his life that, that, boy, I mean, we see his humanness. We see his frailty. We see his failure. But we also see his faith grow through those and we see how God uses those failures. And we're gonna see that. We're gonna see more failure with Abram, but we're also gonna see a a culmination of that coming to this testing of his faith that, um, that, that we see it's a proven faith. Um, so, you know, we have to remind ourselves that, that not just when things are going well, but when things are falling apart, sometimes we're tempted to take matters into our own hands, just like Abram did, thinking we know better than God, thinking our plan is better. Um, but what we can learn is that in Abram's failure and in our own, we know that God's promises will not be thwarted, his plans will not be thwarted. And it's really amazing when we read in Romans four, where between all his faith, his ups and downs, his failures, this is what we know that Abram came to a place where no distrust made him waver concerning the promises of God. He grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God would do what he promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Abram was not righteous because of the things he did. Abram was righteous because God declared him righteous. And the same is true for us. Um, So the one thing I want us to really remember as we wrap up tonight is that God's fulfillment of his promises are always dependent on his perfect character and never our performance. And that's great news for us. This was true of Abram and it's true of every follower of Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that um, you have shown us, you have revealed yourself, you have revealed your character to us. And Lord, we can stake our lives on it because we know that you keep every promise that you make. And Lord, we thank you for these promises to Abram. And we thank you that we are the recipients of this blessing of Jesus. Father, we are so grateful and we are so humbled. And so Lord, I pray that through it all, that we would um, yes, we, we, we look at Abraham and, and he's commended for his faith, but more than anything, we look to you, Lord, you are the sovereign God of this world. And we look to you and we praise you and we want to follow you and we want to forsake everything to follow you, Lord God. So would you give us faith? Would you increase our faith that we might follow you more deeply in Jesus name? Amen.